Roran, you awake in the middle of the night, covered in a cold sweat. Your room in the Aeolian is black as pitch. You can feel your bed underneath you, so you know it's there. But even the air in the room is stale and unmoving. What do you do? Um, Roran will take a deep breath. And he'll take off the cover. Uh, he searches for anyone in the room and starts to grab for his staff. You step off the bed and hear thunder rumbling outside. You can't find your pack, your weapons, your holy staff. You go back to where the bed was. Uh, you can no longer feel it in the room. In fact, you can't find the walls in this room. Damn it, Webby. I just curse for Webby. <laughs> Um, and a search for any windows. I can't see anything. As soon as you have the thought to look for a window, uh, one appears. It's large, and there's a storm outside. Lightning flashes, and winds are whipping past. Uh, so, am I, like, seeing the the whole town around me just getting smashed by the storm? The storm is like nothing you've ever seen before. Entire buildings are being torn from foundations and thrown into the air. Lightning is crashing down, splitting stones, glassing the roads. The thunderclaps are blasting through your body, and the explosive nature of them is like being kicked. Okay. Well, Roran is terrified. And, um... Uh, kind of has a desperate attempt, casts true seeing on himself. The room disappears, and you are in the middle of the storm. The tempest rages all around you and scours the very earth that you're standing on, uh, but it seems to blow around you. Of course, you're still getting pulled slightly in different directions as the wind changes, but you're not being hurt by this magnificent display of nature. And a face looms in the sky above you. It stretches from horizon to horizon, and it's looking directly at you. Roran is shit in his pants. Child of Pleth, Keeper of Honor, your home is not here. Why do you insist on keeping so far? Who are you, my lord? I am but a shadow of a god. Charcoal dust on paper, an impression left long ago. Cognitive shadow though I might be, even I can see that your way is lost. You swore an oath to serve your god, did you not? Is it only now, in the face of beauty's song, that you would break this oath? Warren, still terrified, uh, tries to give his petty excuse. I gave up this quest. This was a sacrifice to keep the song alive. An honorable thing, but you ignore the greatest question. The curse that once bound you to keep away has been severed. Your home awaits your return. I know little of Waskell, but I know that his will does not supersede an oath made to Tanabast. Return the shard to its rightful home. Unite them. Uh, and Roran yells through the storm. The curse is served? How? Will my kin not kill me upon seeing my face? Prejudice is not a curse. Malice is not a curse. 
these are merely manifestations of Maelar divided. The curse of men of which I speak was broken when your soul passed between the planes. A magic as pathetic as that could not cling to you, and your danger has passed. Go, child of time, servant of nature. Remember your oath and be absolved. A fire rises in your chest, burning through the apathy that had replaced your desire to return home. Your sacrifice in the realm of song is still remembered, and you hear the song swell above the screaming of the winds around you. You want... No, you need to go home. The storm begins to calm itself. The rain is gently patting on your hair, your face, your clothes. And the face still stretches in the sky above you. Lawrence stands in shock, trying to fight the wind and storm. Um, and he just says, hold on a minute. Uh, the shard? What are you talking about? Unite them. What? What? How? When Malar shattered, his shards did not all agree with Malar whole. That is why honor was slain, why chaos and logic were struck down. What you know now is a farce, a grand facade constructed for reunification in a new form. Unite them. Unite the old shards. Unite them, and Malar cannot stop his brother from returning. Uh, and then I say, who is Malar? He is the youngest of the three Elder Gods. The storm is beginning to clear, and you're noticing that the outside, as it were, around you is beginning to fade back into the black room that you were once in. You have time for one last question. Um... Where, where are the shards I must unite? You carry honor with you. Another of your kin carries memory. Compassion lies in the ice. Find her and unite them with love. You're back in the black room, and while you are distinctly standing up, you get the impression that your eyes are not open. Uh, okay, so Roran's having a WTF moment. So thanks to a hardware failure, I lost the first part of this duo of sessions, a dungeon crawl through a cultist lair. Um, I'm going to do my best to sum up the events of the first session. I was able to recreate some portions of it, um, and I have some of the audio files of other bits of it, and we're going to put them in through here. Um, but real quick, <clears throat> the Jin Liberators were summoned by Emperor Zhurt Quain. Uh, on their way there, they found out that there's a lot of nepotism going on in the Emperor's court. Emperor Zhurt Quain himself is very young and nervous. He recounted to the Liberators a story of how his house mages attempted to capture and sacrifice him to some kind of ritual. And when his guards fought them off, they all disappeared into the corridors under the keep. So the party naturally goes to investigate. 
when they got downstairs, they found some scrying mirrors and laboratory and experimentation tables, enchantment tables, the whole nine yards. Um, but it was empty, mostly. There was a teleportation pad, and the scrying mirror next to the teleportation pad was active at the time. And they saw a woman bound to a stone slab, and she was screaming bloody murder. And they correctly deduced that this woman was Ixus, their old friend, who was taken from them some months ago before they entered the astral plane. They go through the first portal and attempted to disguise themselves as cultists themselves. Unfortunately for them, that didn't work. The mages had some strict regulations on how that was going down. So they began a fight in tight corridors, and the whole group learned a hard lesson about grouping up in small spaces. Because Fireball is not forgiving. Eventually, they beat their way through three levels of mages, and they stopped in a storage room where that stone slab that they had seen that woman carried on, I say that woman, Ixis, was being carried on, was sat in the middle of the room, covered in blood, there was some kind of a another ritual site, um, and they searched for a moment while they healed up uh took a short rest to regain some of their spell slots some of their hp and gob found a journal and it was the same journal that his father told him to be on the lookout for so he took it and he read it um and i will play those here You immediately recognize the symbol on the front, the silver trim, the ruffled pages. You recognize the handwriting, but you never thought you'd see it again. The first entry is smeared in places. The paper is shriveled uh, a little bit in small patches, like droplets of water had been flecked on them. Uh, the tone of the entry is labored, like it took an incredible effort to write. Studying magic over my entire life should have prepared me for things I never expected. I still jump every time someone drops a pen in the next room or when I almost run into someone coming around a corner. I should still expect to need to run more than one experiment, even when I am so certain that my numbers are right the first try. I never expected that Oral wouldn't come back from that excursion of his. I should have been prepared to hear that news, but... Seeing the shattered state of his party left me reeling. They said it was a dragon. They said the dragon ate him. They also said the dragon evaporated in shimmering waves of iridescent light. I know Oral better than anyone, and I can't accept the fact that he is just gone. He's still out there. My Oral would never leave me, not like that. I will find a way to help him come back to us. Signed in sorrow, Zanatha the Loyal. The start and end of the second passage are scribbled hastily with a lot of anger and are otherwise unreadable. There is a portion in the center that can be read. It's not as though there aren't other problems to solve, so what if I may not have been the most attentive mother of late? 
The least that little brat could do is... No, that's too harsh. I should spend more time with little Gob. He already lost his father. I can't have him losing me, too. Maybe it's time to put my experiments aside for a few months and reconnect. The third entry is written with a purpose. The tone is confident, even a bit proud, maybe? Uh, at least at times. The handwriting has taken on a new and neater look, almost entirely different from the previous passages. It's still recognizable, but it is markedly different. The work must continue. I have never felt so alone, but that notwithstanding, I must keep pushing. I spent this time last year recruiting mages from all over. A few of them are, or used to be, Shrike cultists, people unafraid of pushing the bounds. Low standards of morals may prove to have some other side effects that will need to be dealt with, but their work is incredible. Though I don't subscribe to their ethos, it appears dangerous. I'll have to keep a close eye on them. The incident with my old lieutenant in front of his Ettercap student was a most unfortunate event. The little spider seems to have dispatched the other warlocks, and I've since lost track of him. He would have been an excellent asset to our cause, as his magic is yet untamed. In the meantime, I can't help but feel a sense of duality, like there's something in the back of my mind that exists as its own person. It doesn't fill me with dread like I might think it should, but I do feel as though I've forgotten something important to me. Exhaustedly signed, Zanatha the Loyal. In the fourth entry, the neat handwriting remains, but there's portions of it where it appears as though the old version of handwriting bleeds over. The tone of the entry is almost wistful or reminiscent. At times, you'd consider it lightly nervous, maybe. There's an air of fear in the message as well, uh, like your mother's confidence has been slowly leaking away. Sometimes I look at my work and I realize just how far-reaching it has been. My disciples and Dilge work to bring me powerful items linked to ancient magic. The work of the Dragonborn clans is unparalleled from the rest of the world. Clan Adrimga has worked tirelessly to comb ruins for magics. Trafficking my sorcerer's conscripts has been made incredibly streamlined thanks to the Sioru family in Skitzcairn. I can't pretend I relish the forceful movement of unwilling participants. However, if we are to seize Oral's soul from the astral plane, my rituals will need every bit of power behind them. Their work has already begun changing the lands of Hayawan. Not long ago, the Shrike's Temple tapped into a vast well of magic. As useful as the cultists are, their methods of utilizing such raw magic leave much to be desired. Instead of siphoning it off efficiently like my own people would have, the cultists do something more akin to bailing it out. Arcane power spills out left and right, causing a great many problems. As crude as their methods are, I cannot deny that having access to this magic will do nothing but benefit my cause. If only Master Pulsifer could have seen this discovery. I sometimes regret my decision to end his life. I could see in his eyes that it had been an accident when he revealed to me how to bind arcane power to myself. I have him to thank for my ascension as a lich. 
Armies are moving for my will in Iodentum, conscripting wizards for my cause and silencing dissent. The Black Company sits on the eastern border to Gravenhold. Their captain has never once questioned why I needed my secrets there to be protected. He will be richly rewarded. I have yet to touch the continent of Kiestra, save for the few warlocks who pledged themselves to my service last spring. I find it disquieting that I've heard nothing from the wizard cloisters there. I take it as comfort just to receive their condemnation of my work, but there's nothing but silence. Perhaps the inhabitants believe I killed their kin, since their pledge severs the ties with the material world in pursuance of a greater truth. The plagues in Elsira are concerning, but my contacts there assure me that it is contained. The rituals I have set forth in the Skald's Forest are too delicate and need as little interference as possible. Mr. Klein has made it clear that the creature whose home they have appropriated will be of no concern to the ritual. He got a bit smug there for a moment and bragged that the beholder may even be a boon to the process. I have no doubt the beholder would have a collection of gin items. Their kind are too vain as to leave something so powerful to the will of the forces of nature. Hopefully Garrett is correct and he doesn't end up disintegrated or as some kind of slave. Signed with amusement, Zenatha the Loyal. The fifth entry is the last available entry. This entry, like the first one, is peppered with spots where it looks like water might have fallen onto it. The handwriting and the tone of the message seem off, not deranged or delusional or different necessarily, but if you had to put a word to it, you would probably call it sick. And you read the last words that your mother ever wrote down. I can feel the changes happening within me. I'm losing myself. The thing in the back of my head is taking control. It lashed out the day we woke the changelands and has been consuming me ever since. My dearest Oral, my heart, my soul, for years I searched. I could only hope to at least catch a glimpse of you once more. Then I could be happy. Then I could finally die. If you're reading this, then I have perished. Whether by my own work or one of my lieutenants or some well-to-do adventurers, I am gone. Oral, you must know, I will wait for you on the other side. Gob, if you're reading this, then I'll never be able to reconcile the incredible loss I have forced upon you. My little illusionist, if only I could have given you what it was that I sought. Power is funny that way. You start thinking it's just a bit more, and before you realize it, you've lost everything you were fighting to keep. You've turned away all those who would have supported you. You've killed every last chance of living the life you should have lived to begin with. Gob, you don't have to forgive me for leaving you. I would never expect that of you. I thought I could do it. I thought I could get your father back. I hoped we could have been whole again, but I couldn't do it. I needed help. The gods would have never suffered a demilic like myself to change the rules of nature itself. So I reached out to something, anything else, and I found something. It made me a promise. Me and mine would be whole again. But it had a price. It wanted the deep lakes of magic bound within the djinn. 
It instructed me on how to ensure we could both get what we wanted. I could take its power and I could get my family. So now there is nothing left to do but wait for Ichabar to come. And it is coming. I made sure of that when I ingrained a marker into all of my rituals. Please send my warmest regards to Roblin Weiss. His spices are the most pure I have ever seen, and his enthusiasm in our work was contagious. Without his constant shipments of spices, our work would have dragged on much, much longer. If I have one thing left to give to someone, anyone, I would leave this journal. As a rite of remembrance, yes, but also as a warning for those who seek to change their core understanding of the world. You know not the nature of that which you intend to grasp. Woefully signed, Zanatha the Changed.